to another exciting episode of the Snap No Tap podcast. I'm Tony Cicchini, along with the one and only Joe Cardinal, and again, the greatest Polish person on earth, Martin Witkowski. Before we get into all the uh, clowning around and stuff, I want to wish everyone a happy Memorial Day. Uh, none of us would be here doing this podcast if it wasn't for our, you know, historic uh, soldiers, sailors, and Marines that have fought for this country, that have kept us free uh, and safe. And for those that have lost their lives, you're gone, but never, never forgotten. And it, it's just, it's, 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 a, it's a touching day for me because, you know, um, most of my uh, family, I guess you'd say older family, you know, they fought in, in, in combat. They fought in, in, in wars. And uh, I had an, an uncle that was a uh, lifer in the army, a Chikini. Uh And then my grandfather that raised me was in World War II in the Pacific Theater. And for those of you who know anything about that, you, you know how unbelievable that was. I had a great cousin that was in that. And I, I had an uncle, great uncle that was uh, in World War I. Um, these are people that I, I, I met, knew, and talked to. And a whole host of people that were from you know POWs and everything. Obviously, they survived, but uh, they always tipped their hat or or raised a glass to toast uh, their fallen comrades. So I want to take this day, this moment, for you know to honestly, sincerely wish a happy Memorial Day. So I'm glad I uh, I'm alive to say that. Joe, how are you? Besides being stunning. Oh, doing good. Yeah, doing all right. Got you know, got my beauty sleep in, which is always important. Part of the you know, you know the 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 beauty regimen that I follow. Um, moisturized, did all those things, so I'm feeling ready for the broadcast. Martin, how are you? I'm good. You know, I'm glad that Joe had a long weekend, so he could be extra stunning today. Can it get any better, Joe? I mean, honestly, because all everybody they say everybody can. There's always room for improvement. What about with your looks? Do you think you've hit that peak or, or what? Well, it's like one of those, you know, impossible mathematical questions. Like, what is infinity plus one? You know, can it be better? Can it be even larger? And it's hard to think about, honestly. So I, I try not to ask myself those questions because it hurts um, just to, you know, try and process it. I just keep trying to do what I do best. Well, now that you brought up mathematics in, in a way, science, maybe this has been a question I've been meaning to ask you. I heard um, that physicists were researching your previous sex life, and that's how they came up with the Big Bang Theory. Um, 
because I guess you were very popular with the ladies. And also, also my love life often, often happens in the matter of microseconds. So yes, it's a very quick action. So, but, but it was a hell of an explosion, I'm assuming. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad we got that all cleared up. Anyway, uh, yes, we had another nice workshop yesterday with the crowd guys. Um, it was a bad, it's a bad weekend for it because it's, uh, it was Memorial Day weekend. Uh, before we forget, next month, June, will be the fourth Saturday of the month and the fourth Sunday of the month because the third is the third weekend, the third uh, weekend of the month. That day, that's Father's Day, okay? So, again, nobody's going to be around. So we'll combine it, and I think Joe's going to be out of town too. So we're going to make everything. So Saturday at Bender's, June 24th, and then Sunday, June 25th at Krav Maga. It's updated already on my website. I, I've been up since 2.30 in the morning, so we got all of that uh, on there. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to get that out now, <clears throat> excuse me, before before we forget. Uh, so you want to talk, Martin was there last Saturday, but he wasn't there yesterday. Uh, I think we should discuss a little bit about what we did because it can help these people that are watching or listening just to understand it, how what I do and my theories are different than anywhere in the world. I don't care who you're studying with. The more we see people from different schools, the more we, we you know, you, you just get that reinforced that, Nobody approaches fighting uh, like we have here in Chicago, like what we do. Yeah, well, uh, the last two workshops, we had an out-of-town visitor, uh, Desmond, who's a really cool guy. Uh, yeah. Actually, yesterday, I talked with him for about an hour, I think. At least it felt like that in the sun. So we were out in the sun for after the workshop, just talking about catch and talking about his coach. Um, it's kind of cool to hear that down in Texas that they have a catch community and people are trying to work this. And it's exciting that he's reaching out to us and trying to uh, explore uh, what you teach. And so that's a very exciting. Um, but yeah, um, uh, you know, one of the things he brought up and he, and he, he wanted to show a specific kind of hold and, um, you know, and it, it kind of was a little bit of a complicated setup, maybe, would you say? Um, it just, you know, it was depending on certain reactions and, um, and, you know, you, you had to give us a, a very important reminder that, you know, the risks that you're taking when you're doing, you're doing something like that. Part of the negativity that catch gets is that they try these fancy moves and they will never work. Uh, they'll only work against a fish. Uh, they won't work against, a, a an advanced athlete, not even necessarily a grappler. Um, they're just. You know, you just don't do those things. And I'm going to give a very important tip, like I gave to Desmond to take back to his coach, and I gave it to you guys yesterday. And that is, I always talk about keeping your arms in, Keep because anytime you extend, you become weaker. Anybody knows that's common sense. Well, I guess it's not common sense, okay? But the same damn thing holds true on the ground. If I'm pinning somebody and I'm reaching, stretching out like this, my arms damn near fully extended to reach for a limb. I'm it's a show hold. It's not, it's not going to work. You're weak. Okay. You, the further away you go from your trunk, the weaker you're going to be. So when I see moves like this, you know, I, you, you really need to like reevaluate um, your, 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 your whole training regimen because you're, 
You're missing out on the principles, all right, which is, again, keeping everything tight. So you can look at my moves. All of them are I'm really trying to keep everything close to my my trunk. And that's a lesson for everybody. I don't care what style you do. You don't want to start reaching out like a scarecrow, extending your limbs and, and all of that. Secondly, part of that move, and we can't explain the move because you'd have it's a visual thing, uh, was one arm attacking a leg. Uh, that is incredibly risky, especially when you're stretching because the legs are just super strong. And to extend a leg or to use both legs, as I showed how to counter any of these types of moves, including cradles, where you use both legs against one arm, um, pretty much negates these moves. And also, it's timing, too. You know, you don't want to wait until the move's fully on. Don't, don't give the guy even that much. Just get out of it. If you were training with me from day one, you'd, you'd, under, you'd know this. You wouldn't even, you'd only show these moves kind of like a trick shot in pool, you know, where you set up the balls and it looks all fancy, but it, it's not a functional shot normally. And that's how a lot of these holds are. Um, so keep everything simple when you're fighting and look for other openings. Rip the guy or short strikes. Don't go drastic strikes because that changes your whole posture and positioning and so on. Um, keep everything short and compact as if you were fighting in a telephone booth. Many people probably don't <laughs> have never even seen a telephone booth, but you get the point. Uh, don't reach. Don't expo expose yourself. Uh, and and honestly, these high-risk moves, um, they're not going to fly. Uh, William Draper sent me an email the day before about, I guess he's watching some video clips on leg laces and how they roll into these locks. Again, high-risk, extraordinarily high-risk, especially on the street. You wouldn't even think about it uh, with rocks and, you know, snow or whatever. These are moves that you, you practice if you want to pull them off in a tournament or, or attempt to do them. That's fine. But against anybody who's skilled and exposed, they should be able to counter you like that. You got to be a quick thinker when you're fighting. And I, and I believe grappling has worked against that principle. Okay. Grappling, in many instances, guys think slow because that's what they're taught. Take your time, set up the move, this and that. Um, you're, you're not taught like that in, in, in pretty much most other sports, at least any sport that I competed in, be it track and field, be it boxing, be it football, baseball, softball, nothing slow. Everything is like instant. You've got to make instant adjustments. Uh, and I see in a lot of grapplers, they don't. And you got to get out of that mindset. It's got to be instant, 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 explode, explode, explode. And when you get that kind of mindset and that physical ability and that mind-body connection, um, you're going to render most of these fancy moves. Um, you're going to, they're going to be useless. So I'm not saying you'll never get them. <laughs> you know, I, I've seen wild haymakers land, but Wild haymakers generally don't land against a skilled opponent, and, and these moves won't land against a skilled opponent. So one of the things that you uh, showed at the seminar is, and this was kind of a passing comment that you've made, but it falls into the same category of what you've been describing, is that you know, when you are on, on the bottom and somebody's trying to put pressure on you, you should attempt to be at least 
not flattened out and keep some level of being off the ground and compact and contorted so that you can explode into a, a defensive move, like, you know, um, whatever kind of a reversal. So don't, don't allow yourself to be flattened out and stretched to the point where you're completely flat on the ground, allowing your opponent to really control different parts of your body. And you've made that comment like really towards the end, but, but I think it's kind of an important principle. Well, absolutely. And of course, we have to demonstrate this because, I mean, being flat on your back, because so many people who study that don't study with me, they're used to just being flat on their back because there's no pins. So they, it's a comfortable move for them or a comfortable position. But yes, think about fighting on the feet, boxing. I always revert back to that because that to me is a premier striking art. So you don't stand square. Okay, you don't start fighting like that. You'll square up if you're trying to get an angle for a body shot or a hook or something, but you just don't do that. Same on the ground. If you get that angle, then you can get your explosiveness because you can use your body to create that momentum. If I'm pinned helplessly, um, you know, flat on my back, I can't get that angle. I can't create that momentum. I know exactly the move you're talking about because I think I demoed something on um, uh, uh, Aaron. You know, and then I exploded into an arm lock with my legs, okay? Uh, all of you guys thought I was going that direction, but really I went, or one direction, I actually was going in the opposite direction because I used that one move to just get my propulsion. So it's really important that you start training like that. You you just have to. And the problem with amateur wrestling, well, not a problem, but the thing is with amateur wrestling, they bridge. And now that also will negate a lot of things, but you don't need to bridge. You just need to get your hips and get your shoulder and get your angle just a certain way. And you're fine. And if he's struggling, he, in a street fight, this guy's not going to actually try to pin you, pin you. He doesn't give a shit. He just wants you on your back and he wants to have the advantage position. So you need to counter that. Um, and honestly, people are going to have to just totally abandon the way they've been wrestling or fighting, whatever you want to call it, and just restructure their thing if they want to take it to the next level. Um, because you just don't see the way we wrestle anywhere. I mean, I don't, I don't see anybody doing it. So I, you know, I, I don't know what else to say. What are some things, are there... You know, because that's one of the things I think I struggle with um, is getting tunnel vision when I'm going live or, um, yeah, not having that kind of quick adaptability. And is there, are there ways to drill this or other things like throughout your day that you can be doing to, to try to switch that, to try and hone that um, mental agility? Honestly, people need to come to Chicago and meet me and train with me so I can walk them through that. I can give you tips, and I will right now, but it's it's just not going to work because you have to have me there to work with you, to construct something, okay? Um, yesterday, Martin wasn't there, but yesterday, remember when we were on our feet, we started all with, we did gun defenses yesterday, how to get rid of a gun, and we did a lot of stuff you know, high level shit yesterday. But one of the things was where I look when I'm on my feet. And we had a couple of people standing off to the side. 
And depending on where I look, my peripheral vision either expanded or contracted. Now, that's not tunnel vision, and I'm going to get to your point. But the same thing has to be on the ground. You have to look in the right spot, all right? How many times have you wrestled and you don't even know where you're looking, right? You're just randomly looking. Would you do that in a, street, in a stand-up fight? No. You should know exactly where to look. Look in the center, look in that chest area so you can, you know, see things. Well, part of getting rid of that tunnel vision is learning how to expand your peripheral, all right? And don't focus, like right now I'm looking at something to the side of my screen, um, and really start concentrating on being able to see how far your range is. Psychologically, I know what you're talking about. You, everything starts to become a cone. That's a, that's a proven fact. That happens in very high-stress situations. It happens to law enforcement agents all the time when a gun's drawn, and all of a sudden, all they see is like a small little thing. Your, your mind blocks that out. And in order to, to get rid of that, you just have to continually put yourself in that stress uh, situation, okay? There's, there's no book you can read. There's no vitamin that you can take. It's just completely uh, putting yourself as, in that environment as often as you can. Control your breathing. Don't hyperventilate. Learn to stay calm. Like yesterday with the gun disarm, when you got to a certain point on that gun, you can relax. Really, you don't need to, the, the, the immediate threats now been taken away. You've deflected that gun. You've got your grip on the gun. Now, just relax mentally. You know, you don't have 10 seconds to do this. You have a split second, but mentally now you can relax. Um, and that's what you have to do, guys. When you're on the ground, let's say, I guess you're talking about being on the ground. Um, there'll, be a, there'll be a moment when you've already passed the threat point. Now you can relax, and that tunnel vision, if you had it momentarily, it'll be gone. Okay, so don't make the whole encounter stressful. Just make that one moment maybe perhaps stressful. Once you pass that bad spot, then things should lighten up for you. Does it help too just to be aware, like if you recognize that you're in tunnel vision, to just be kind of self-aware about the fact and say, okay, you're you're getting tunnel vision, like in that moment. Of course. And that normally is because people feel pressure. Okay. Nobody gets tunnel vision unless you actually have a head injury or something or a vision, you know, a, a medical emergency. Nobody gets tunnel vision when they're relaxed. I've never once heard of anybody saying while they're out, oh, I, I got tunnel vision. You know, it only happens like maybe in a minute, like there's going to be a car wreck, right? And you slam on the brake, right? And I'll, now you're, you know, you're, you're in that stress situation. And you don't see anything else. You're going to veer. <coughs> maybe you're going to veer to the right. Your, your mind is totally forgotten about the possibility that there's a car on your right-hand side. All you see is that car in front of you. You're slamming on the brakes. Um, slow down in, in a street fight. Or I don't mean slow down to the point of you're taking, you know, when I say slow down, I'm talking tenths of a second here, okay? Or maybe one second tops. Um, and just get your bearings. So if you feel that you have tunnel vision, slow down. Just, just frigging slow down because bad things are going to happen to you. Okay, you're, you're not going to see shit coming. So you have to 
slow things down. But again, I'm going to keep on emphasizing when I say slow, I'm not talking jujitsu slow. Okay. Where you got, where you think you got five minutes here. I'm talking matter of split seconds to maybe one second or so. And that does make a difference. I also wanted to go back to one other thing you said a second ago is about how you really benefit a lot from live training and having somebody watch over you because some of these like small details, like being compact and not allowing somebody to stretch you out, stretch you out, creep in. They, if nobody's watching over your training, this will just naturally happen as your body tends to get adapted to certain positions. It tends to find a more comfortable spot to be in. And unless you have somebody live training you, at least occasionally, like come to Chicago, see Tony, he'll make you aware of these things. Because if you're not aware of them, they'll just happen. And well, they you, will. you have and no recourse. Well, yesterday when Joe, uh, Joe was practicing disarms with Desmond and Desmond was doing the disarms, or attempting to do the disarm, there were times where, you know, because Joe and everybody, I'm, I'm, I'm just using Joe because it happened, but everybody does this, where you become too cooperative. Okay, I'm like, Joe, get your other arm in there, damn it. And then once Joe got his other arm in there, then Desmond couldn't do the uh, disarm. But after a few practices, then even when Joe got his arm in there, Desmond was still able to do the disarm because the disarm's going to work um, the way that I showed it. So, Martin, you're completely right. Uh, sometimes you have to step it up. Now, even guys who go full blast, let's call it, which that's not always good. You don't need to go full blast. They'll be missing things to do because they're not thinking outside of the box. Um, Chuck May said it yesterday. He quit going to some famous jujitsu guy because he. Chuck says, I kept getting put in the corner because Literally, he was told to get off the mat and sit in the corner because he would instantly go for the groin or something because it was there. And it was highly effective, and it just demolished the instructor's technique that he was kind of going to show because going for that groin in that position ended it, period, done. So Joe got punished, or uh, Chuck got punished for that. So finally he said after a few months, I quit. I'm not, I'm not coming here anymore. It's bullshit. So that's why you need somebody like me that doesn't, fight like everybody else and i could say okay that this is how you this is how a, a maniac would counter you he's not going to counter you nicely or with another technique remember something if you're going up against especially in a street fight if you're going up against somebody they may not be trained in this shit okay in, in jujitsu or anything or they may have had just basic shit they've seen off of a movie or or, or an event. So they're not going to react like your damn training partners, okay? Period. Get get that, just understand that, okay? And secondly, if there's some world champion guy, you know, your techniques aren't going to work against him because he knows all your techniques because he's blown through those techniques to get to the level that he's at. So you need to make a different approach. You know, you need to approach this guy with shit that he doesn't know. All right. But they have to be logical and they have to be in a in a chain to get to the end. OK. Um, and, and that's why, yeah, I could tell you what to do, this or that, but it won't be effective until you actually come to me. And work out with you guys, with me coaching there, and then I'll show them, all right, here's what you need to do. Here's what he should do. And, and now all of a sudden you're, you're covering a, a, a big uh, but I'm going to tell you this again. I don't care how if you people think I'm arrogant or whatever. You cannot get this training anywhere else. 
you can't. I don't care if you go to China, to the moon, to Europe, to anywhere in the country. There, I've seen enough of it. They don't approach it as a life or death thing. They just don't do it. They're, it's just not happening. Okay, it's still this sport thing or fancy shit. Um, no, it just don't work. Sorry for the rant. I want to. I got a couple observations. One, I just want to pitch the workshops again. You know, um, and especially like what I appreciated. Well, there was a lot of things I took away from yesterday, but one of the really cool things about working with Chuck because Chuck, like yourself, you know, Chuck is law enforcement, retired law enforcement, but he has real world exp- like you. He's had you both have had guns pointed at you, you know, yeah. when you talk about disarms, and it's interesting to see you two guys bounce ideas back and forth and talk and and. And have you guys kind of, I don't know, collaborate or hear perspectives? Because I mean, he has real world stories of, and he's like, this is how it went down when I was, you know, in this situation. And so, um, and having you guys collaborate, it gives a lot of confidence to these things. These aren't just random, you know, gun disarms or whatever. So having two guys with real world experience is a real rare, in my opinion, um, opportunity uh, especially when you're talking about life and death things like that, where you don't want to be messing around. You want you know you want to know these this is how these these guys survive these things, and this is what their thoughts are yeah. on how to approach it. So I, I just that, that's just one observation. I, I, well, I wish I had put out there earlier. Hopefully, people are still listening. Just as a, another pitch for that that uh, particular workout that we do. Um, and then the other thing, though, I, this conversation has reminded me something that really struck me a long time ago. I read. I think in one of Dan and Asano's Kali books, it was just a kind of an aside and it wasn't, it wasn't his main point at all, but he was talking about some Kali master who had watched him do a demonstration somewhere. And the Kali ma- master, the old Filipino guy really gave him some shit about it. He's like, why aren't you guys going for the kill right away? Um, he's like, you guys are beating around the bush, you know, and he, he and I mean, I'm paraphrasing all this, of course, but that was the gist of it. And he basically said that his response was he was trying to say to demonstrate to in a public demonstration, if I did that, you know, people would not, you know, wouldn't make it for a good demonstration, basically. People, you know, it'd be over quickly and um, it would not be interesting for people to look at, which to me really paralleled a lot what you were saying with the way grappling has gone. And I think a lot of also, I think like in some ways I worry that like, if you spend so much time prepping for demonstrations and your, your idea is to draw people in and put on a show, like sometimes I think that gets blurred. I don't know if that's what's happened, but I worry sometimes that a lot of these martial arts and I'm just speaking generically, I'm not picking on a particular style, but that story that he relayed, um, just reminded me, like, I wonder how often over time those lines get blurred as to what is the most efficient way to do it, as opposed to this is what we're doing for show. You know, like, because if your students are working with you for a demonstration, I, I don't know. I just wonder if it, like, organically or inadvertently kind of waters things down a little bit, that people spend more time working on the complicated things. And I just think about, like, all these TikTok or uh, Instagram little videos. That I'm sure instructors. You know, if you we put out a simple, this is a quick rip to a top wrist lock. People are, are they're not, you know, I don't think it's going to be exciting for people to watch. I mean, people who are in the know would be like, oh, that's cool. That's awesome. But it, other people would be like, oh, that's too simple or not flashy. 
You know, like if the purpose is to get views and to bring people into your school, I think, I think it might be driving people to show, you know, these higher complicated moves. And, um, and to me, I think that mixes the message that people think that that's the real art and they're missing, you know, (coughs) well, you're probably right, but also, you know, maybe he doesn't, he didn't know the quick kill. Okay. If you're doing a demonstration is one thing. But when you have your students practicing this way, that's criminal, man. I mean, unless you're telling them, hey, we're going to put a demo team together or we're, we're going to put on a choreographed show, okay? That's fine. Practice these moves. But if you're trying to pawn this shit off as viable soft, and I don't mean Dan in this, I don't mean anybody, that you're pawning this off as viable, that's criminal, man. Because now you're, 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 you're talking about putting somebody's life at risk. Uh, and even yesterday's gun disarms weren't the be-all, end-all, because we only did it from one scenario where you were up close and the guy asked you to keep your hands up. All right, this is not how a lot of things go down, okay? There's always distance involved of some sort, and many times it's a greater distance, all right, to where you just don't have the option here of getting in close. And you need to let that person know that. Like I said yesterday, okay, you disarm it this way. Well, what if your friend or your wife is standing right next to you? Now you just disarm or you parry the the gun right into her. And she's going to be the one that's going to get shot. Okay? So you've got to, and I kept saying that yesterday, right? Over and over. You know that. You were there. Mm -hmm. Because these people, a lot of people just, you do one move and they're like, well, that wouldn't work in this scenario or that scenario. We know that. All right? So that's why I don't I don't believe in these TikTok videos or this or that. I get your point. Yeah, you want something flashy, but many times that's all this instructor knows, a flashy move. They don't know these little subtleties because if they did, it would and I know this for a fact, it would have been already shown a million times on the internet. Nothing you guys see with me has ever been shown anywhere by anyone because they don't know it. That's just all there is to it. It's not their fault. They've never been exposed to it. So their brain can't go that way, right? Um, if I if they would all train with me, <clears throat> then they'd see it, and then they'd be able to not only use my moves, but incorporate in, into their own philosophies and start developing stuff on their own. But right now, everybody's a follower. They're all just doing the same thing um, and trying to put a little twist to it, no pun intended, but just a little flavoring. When that's not what you need, you need a complete rehaul. All right. Um, and I, it's it, it's just not going to happen on its own because it would have happened already. And, and it's just not happening. Also, you know, back to my earlier point, these kinds of um, like the, the, the fundamental problem with the kind of a fitness and, and training industry is that the floor price of the service is now zero, right? Because there's so many videos, so much stuff out there on the internet that you can look at. But what you're missing is the actual ability to train with these videos to to their effectiveness, because there's nobody watching over you and correcting you as you do it. I mean, how many times have we been uh, working out where you just look at me punching the bag and you point out that, you know, I leave my hands down or I'm not moving or I'm waiting. This kind of stuff just slips by. It doesn't matter how many videos I watch. If I don't get that kind of feedback, I'll never adjust for it. I'll never build that reflex of doing things correctly. 
Well, you're 100% right. And yesterday, I always get to the crowd guys early, and they already have a class going, so I watch them. And I love these guys. And the first thing I told, I made a speech in front of everybody. I said, do not ever, ever use live sparring as your conditioning. Okay? And that's what they were doing. They figured at the end of their workout, they're going to spar, you know, try to help their conditioning. Worst thing you could ever do. Never, ever use that for your conditioning. You use your road work or your other exercises for conditioning. Reason being, you're gassed already, right? You're gassed and you're trying to get back in shape. All you're doing is super bad technique because you, you know, you're, you don't have the, 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 you just don't have the energy to do it. And you're making horrendous mistakes by doing this. And it's muscle in mind memory here. And you can't do that. When you're so gassed that you can't do something right, you've got to stop, period. End of it. All right. Don't be trying to spar when you can't even put your goddamn hands up. You're so damn tired. Or your or your whole form breaks down. And that's adding to your thing, Martin. You can be going along with these videos, you know, and, and nobody's there to watch you to say, oh man, you're so you're too gassed. You have to stop now because your form is breaking down, and that's how you're gonna get either hurt, uh, which is really bad, or just keep on uh uh, uh doing the bad form. And your muscle memory is going to remember that, right? And now you're screwed. So these are things. Yeah, I know everybody wants to get everything for free, right? I mean, I've been battling that for 30 years, right? They don't want to pay. They think they can get it for nothing. Well, you're going to end up with nothing because you you, you have to have that, um, that instructor there. I'm going to tell you a quick, I hope people are watching this now, not listening, because it'll be hard for me to... Um, I'll try to, for those who aren't watching, I'll, I'll try to explain this. But when I was playing the accordion, right, and uh, I thought I was pretty good at one point, right? I'm getting there. But, all right, so this is a good way to hold the accordion, just like I have it now, all right? But what I would do, and I, it was it's terrible because I started off being a self-taught player, all right? I was self-taught in the beginning, which was horrible to do because you make so many mistakes doing that. And, and it takes years to unlearn it. I would do this, okay? Now, why would I do that? Well, because basically now I have my elbow close to my ribs and I got my wrist bent. Well, from fighting, I, I was always taught to keep my elbows in, right, chin down. But in this instance, I wasn't putting the mind, I wasn't thinking ahead, you know? I know that a gooseneck is going to tighten up your fingers. I know that from fighting. But I didn't put it together with my mind with my music. So while I think I'm playing, I was actually slowing myself down. I had the brakes on. It wasn't until Ronnie Moon pointed it out that, hey, man, get that elbow out there. Now my arm is straight. My fingers can fly up and down that keyboard. And you know what? To this day, I still make this mistake of sometimes bending my wrist because that's how I learned. And because I was self-taught in the beginning before I studied with Eddie Safani. And then, and then Ronnie Moon. Um, so form is so important. And, and that's why I don't want to put, you know, squash anybody's dreams, but you, the self-taught shit is, it's, it's, it's not the best way to go. Watching YouTube videos or whatever is not the best way to go. That's why I was emphatic about people to join my Tri-C program. I don't care if you live in, you know, Timbuktu. 
as long as you have an internet, you're at least going to send videos to me where I can correct you and say, you're doing this wrong. You know, um, I, I, you're right, Martin. There's just no substitute for a quality instructor. There just is no substitute for it, period. Yeah, so, I mean, if you, distance learning is good to have someone who can at least watch over you, if, if that's all you can do, uh, that's obviously if that's what you can do. But I would see the best option is in person, especially for something like catch to feel it. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the try. See, you can also come to Chicago. Right. And stay with me, you know, or whatever. Um, you have you have the best of both worlds. I Again, I don't care if you people hate my guts. I know what's out there. It's not what I do. It's not as good as what I do, especially. I mean, it doesn't have to be what I do, but it's not as good. There's just so many gaps and flaws because these who trained these people? Who? You know, and, and what was their background, the trainer? Was it show wrestling or was it, you know, did they make it up along the way or whatever? whatever. I don't know. But, yeah, I mentioned before, even with Luthez, Luthez was not a ripper at all, okay? He didn't need to be because his he, he wasn't he didn't wrestle to learn how to defend himself for one, okay? He wanted to be a professional wrestler. He had abilities. And Lou came around. Yes, Lou learned the legitimate hooks, you know, the submissions from guys like Ad Santel and Tragos and that. Um, but it was all performance. Okay? All performing. There was no sport. And and, and it, this is getting lost in people's minds. Especially now, where they try to rewrite the fucking history, like, oh, all these guys competed. They did not. They did not compete. This was an exhibition. This was a show. They were professionals. They were getting paid, win, lose, or draw. Okay. So you can get away with being sloppy. You can get away with, you know, not doing the move 100% or, or showing up not in shape because you were there to perform, you weren't there to compete. Understand? And this is getting lost on a lot of people. And that's why real professional wrestlers, I mean, the guys that weren't like Hulk Hogan's and were, were, you know, super famous, they were the ones who were trumpeting that these submission holds that these guys are doing won't work. They won't work on a live or highly skilled wrestler. There was one wrestler, as a matter of fact, that that worked out with, with some legend, let's call it, who said, this is all bullshit, okay? They only work against beginners or, or guys who are not resisting or guys who are just fish. Try to get it on a skilled wrestler or a skilled athlete, it's going to be hard. When Inoki tried to pull his shit on um, uh, Bruno San Martino, he broke those holds like they were like it was a child trying to put it on him. And Inoki was trying to shoot on the guy. He didn't get too far with his shooting, okay? Sam Martino knew enough about wrestling and was so strong, he just broke those holds. Because, number one, the holds weren't put on properly because he didn't know any better. And, and Sam Martino blew through these holds. That's just an absolute, guaranteed, 100% fact. I don't give a shit what anybody says. I know the facts on it, okay? Plain and simple. So you've got to understand, it's nobody's fault. They weren't trained to be killers. They're not like what I am or or what I hope, hope you guys are to, to literally kill a man, all right? Not just pin him or tap him out. End this guy's life if you have to. 
You know, and you got to know how. You got to know more than just a goddamn choke to end somebody's life. There's several ways of doing it w without weapons. And you need to know these things and how to set up for it and all this shit. Um, it, wasn't their, it wasn't their point to do it. Just like if, if I was supposed to be a professional wrestler now, if somebody hired me to put on a demonstration match, I would, I would look horrible. Because I don't know how to fake it like that. I don't know how to do it. I would look like a chump. And nobody would want to work with me again because they'd say I'm too stiff in the Senate because I wasn't trained for, for demonstration wrestling. I, I can't do it. Uh, and so it would be, un not, not only would it be unfair for me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't try it unless it was just for a joke, right? But it's not these guys' fault either. You know, they don't know because they weren't trained to use this stuff to end somebody's life, to kill or to use it to defend themselves against a gun or a knife or whatever the case may be. They, I'm sorry. It's, it's that's just facts, man. That's just frigging facts. And people are trying to rewrite history or, or, you know, bend the facts to fit it. I don't give a fuck if anybody trains with me anymore. I, honestly, God, I don't because the real shit is going to die with me then. And, and that I'll be fine with that. Once I'm dead, I don't care. All right. But if you're, a, if you're alive and you want to know how to really be the man, you, you stop with everybody else. Just set up to come to Chicago. That's your only hope. That's your only choice. Now I say this because I keep seeing other people and what they're learning and it's just not together. It, it's just not all together, man. I mean, even the stuff on the feet, you know, they don't stand right Their Their weights on their heels or their legs are locked or, or they're bent over too far. You know, come on, put all this shit together, man. I'm on a rant today, but it's because it's Memorial Day and people have, you know, involuntarily lost their lives to save this country. I'm trying to help people here not to lose their lives or get hurt by trying to tell you this is the way to do it. You saw the last two weeks, both of you guys, how just simple, simple shit saves the day. Nothing flashy, nothing fancy. Even at my age and with my injuries and shit, I was still able to pull this shit off on you guys live and at a hundred percent. Yeah. And then you can also rest assured that uh, Tony has plenty of uh, experience with sports like boxing and, and uh, you know, wrestling that the techniques, the athletic aspects of it are not lost at all. So, uh, you know, I always like the fact that, I think I've mentioned this already that you you always keep people honest about what they do. Like even when you're not currently engaged in some sort of a move, there's still things that you need to be working and expending energy. So this is a fully efficient, fully realized technique. I am a big believer in the fact that there's a way to do a perfect technique, regardless of what somebody else is doing. It doesn't have to be cooperative. You just have to, you know, cross all the T's and dot all the I's. And you know, you, you're the man for that. Well, thanks. But the point is the 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 you know, and I'm the fault for this because, you know, I never showed a lot of this stuff on a video. It's, it doesn't it doesn't work so well like that because these are things that you can't prepare for, all right? These are spur-of-the-moment things, okay? Like I, I mentioned to somebody, it, may, it might have been you, Martin, that if somebody asked me today to say every word I know, every word in my vocabulary, I couldn't do it, all right? Because I don't remember every word I know, but in a certain conversation, a word will just pop into your head. This, all of us are like that. And that's how it is with this stuff. 
Okay, if I show these little subtleties, most people wouldn't even be able to pick it up on the video, even if I point it out. Okay, because I've tried to be as detailed as I possibly can on just even submission holes. And people, when they finally meet me, I say, they, oh, I studied off your videos, this and that. Well, put this, this move or that move on me. They don't even get that right. <clears throat> it's not their fault. But it goes back to what Martin said 10 minutes ago. The, they were practicing it all these years without me there to say, no, you got to make this little subtle adjustment and shit. Or you, this is all you're doing wrong. And it could be a matter of in, inches here, not feet, inches. Um, just like when yesterday I told Mar uh, Joe, just put a move on me. I don't care what it is. Let's just, just, just go. And I countered it right away. It was He went for a top wrist lock, and I just countered it in a way that he's never seen before, that none of you guys have seen before. Because everybody's taught, oh, straight, straighten your arm out, this and that. Not that that won't work, but, man, <laughs> there's so much more, just so much more. And just people just don't frigging get it because everybody's doing shit by rote. Okay, Joe Blow did it this way, so I'm going to do it this way. This guy does it that way, I'm going to do it that way. There's, there's no independent thinkers here, okay? I mean, there, you, you have to start having original thought, okay? You got to look at the whole, the whole body logically as a, as a target, and your whole body is a weapon. I've been saying this mantra, that's my mantra for years, and, and people gloss over that. But it's... It's I'm not a poet, but yet if you if you dig into this shit and not just let it be lip service and you start looking at the whole body as a weapon, you're done. You'll be able to say, okay, now I see that I see what he means. Everything possibly could be used at the right time for me to and you know get out of a bad situation or end a, a situation. Yeah, I think over the two weekends, there was two different me putting, trying to put the top wrist lock on you, and you had two completely different answers. You know, and, you know, I know one was maybe <laughs> you're definitely trying to make another point about the, the way I had the hold down on you and the vulnerabilities I had. But the other one, it was funny because I kind of, from the one escape you used, um, I then adjusted for that the second time and you had another answer <laughs> and I didn't see it coming. So, um, yeah, that, that to me is what's kind of, uh, endlessly fascinating about this. And, um, I think it's the challenge is to like how to get to there to kind of, like you said, have that, I don't know, dynamic mind and the ability to like not get, there's a classic example to me of where I think I would get that tunnel vision of like, oh shit, he's framing up on my arm. So all of a sudden I'm a hundred percent framed up over here and not paying attention to the rest of this person's body necessarily, you know? Um, so I don't know. That was, it was very interesting to be on the receiving end of that. Um, and, a, a, and a strong reminder uh, of, of, I think the growth that I still need to work on. Well, it takes years, okay? And that's why the Tri-C program would be the only way for people unless they wanted to move to Chicago. And if one person decides to move to Chicago, I can't dedicate my life to you because how am I going to make a living, right? So, yes, you, you, you have to understand it. it takes a long time. Like, you want to learn a new language. You can't learn the new language in a weekend. 
okay? Even these military guys that do the Blast Berlitz course or whatever, um, Rosetta Stone and shit, you're, you're not really going to know the language. You're going to have a working knowledge perhaps, but it takes a long time to, you know, let it grasp in and get your brain to start thinking like that. And this is with daily practice, okay, with, 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 with the languages. It's the same with this stuff. Um, I might be able to make you start thinking differently, but how, but you still need me there to make sure that your thoughts are the right thoughts. Okay. Um, that you're going in the right direction mentally and physically that you're not screwing it up because otherwise you're starting all over from scratch again. You know, it's, it's, see, I I can tell right away who's self-taught or who's, who, who's, you know, just didn't have a good coach or just didn't know right or something because they'll, they'll make fundamental mistakes, right? Now you get a high school wrestler, let's say a good one, right? He may not be the best in the world. He may not be ready for the Olympics, but you can look at him and say, okay, he moves right. He, this and that, he did all of this, right. Okay. Maybe his problem is conditioning or he just wasn't wrestling enough or long enough to, to learn even more techniques, but the techniques that they have that he's learned pretty good. But we're in a we're in a different realm, okay? We're in a realm that nobody's tapped into, which is absolute reality, life and death shit. Not sport of any sort, okay? Um, and you would think it's an untapped market, but it bothers me when a guy like let's say crab guys who who are like all about reality, they're going to go to a jujitsu school for ground stuff. That's not reality. Okay, I'm sorry to offend BJJ. It's a great sport. It's not a self-defense system like that for weapons and shit or or anything, right, like that. Um, There's other aspects. There's other avenues to work on. And that's why, again, you want to learn to kill somebody with your bare hands? You come to train with me, all right? That's what I'll do. And I've said this even on that BJJ Fanatics tape we made a year ago, year and a half ago. the sport world has had many years now to become wonderful. And to me, it's it, it's the same old shit. And it's not for me. I was going to, you know, kind of you mentioned, you know, under the watchful eye of a coach. Kind of, again, getting to, I keep going back to like getting out of the um, tunnel vision or whatever, like hyper focus, or, or 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 I don't know. I'm trying to think of a right turn because it's not even maybe visual, but it's just like uh, like a locked in brain, like a mental thing where you lock, you get like single purpose focused to to be willing to to risk making the mistakes. So try something that you know you haven't tried before. Look at a, at a different part of the body. And if it doesn't work, okay, then the coach can ana- analyze and say, okay, you were trying something different here. So like I said, if you're going for the top wrist lock, you know, a lot of people, they, they com- immediately lock in on protecting that arm and, 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 and kind of preventing or straightening it and all that other stuff. You know, in both cases, when you got out of it with me, you were attacking other parts of my body, you know, like you weren't even, it didn't like I didn't you didn't need to focus on that arm because you were attacking my ribs and groin and thing like that I guess I'm kind of making an observation but also kind of asking a question is is it valuable to sometimes try these things to see if 
and fail, I guess, to just to keep your mental habit of like, try, you know, don't, if you're spending more than a second or two on something, it's like, okay, go to something else, whether defensive or offensive. Yeah. But you, but you got to have a coach like me there to, to, to show you how to do the counter, right. You know, you may not have, you may have had the right thought, but you didn't know how to implement it. So like, if a guy drops his hands and let, let, let's make this as basic as we possibly can. You're in a stand-up fight. The guy drops his hands. You throw a right punch, your right hand, it lands, but the guy just stands there and smiles. You did the right thing. You threw the right hand, you hit him, but it didn't have any effect. Why? Well, it could be one of two things. Maybe you didn't hit him in the right spot. Let's say you did, and it still had no effect. That's when you need a coach. You don't know how to throw a punch the right way. You don't know how to launch it right. You don't know how to get your power behind it. It takes a long, long time to develop that, okay? And that's the same thing like here. The way I got out of that top wrist lock yesterday, nobody else in that class, they saw what I did. They're not going to be able to duplicate that because you guys don't have the little subtleties down. You don't. There was more than me attacking your ribs. There was me shifting. There was me getting an angle. There was me immediately following it up by using my legs, okay? to get out of this. How many people think about using their legs to get out of a top wrist lock? They don't, okay? Um, that's why it's, what I do, nobody does. I'll keep saying that until the, until the day I die. Um, there's so much more to it. So you could easily say attack the ribs or attack the neck. Well, there's more to it, all right? Um, and, and think about this logically. You're doing a top wrist lock or a double wrist lock or your cross cross body straight arm bar. Your arms, you're the guy putting the hold on, your hands are tied up now. Okay. I got two of my hands on your arm. So, you know, you're not gonna frigging tell me that I'm not vulnerable. I am. That's why when I do a top wrist lock for real, it's over in a heartbeat. I'm sitting out on you and I'm I'm hooking you. It's a hook. When you start practicing some of these moves as a submission, it's muscle memory to put it on nice and gently because you, you've done it a million times in the gym. You're just exposing yourself to vulnerabilities. You've got to learn how to explode. Bam! You know, put that on full blast. Not like a like nobody punches super slow. You don't put submissions on super slow. But even if you are framing up before you can even hook me, you are vulnerable, and I know that. And I'm going to attack you in a way you're not expecting. And this takes training. You cannot do it instantly, okay? You, 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 Mo Howard from the Three Stooges knows probably better than anybody in the world how to poke somebody's eye out, right? Because he did it to friggin' Larry and Curly for 50 years. But he doesn't know how to poke an eye out, you know, because he doesn't have the technique down because that wasn't his point. But this is how so many people fight. They fight like Mo Howard. You got the right idea, but you don't know how to do it. All right. So that's why it's important to train with, with, with a qualified, competent person that knows, okay, this is where to go. You had the right idea, but you did it like Mo Howard. Don't be a Mo Howard. Yeah. This is kind of the, the point that I was um, trying to make uh, that uh, seminar is, some of the fishing for getting the right grip on the top wrist lock, that goes away when you're actually good with it, right? Like like guys that were 
good at the gym with the top wrist lock, like, you know, Brian, we're very explosive with it. So there was never any kind of um, a commitment to this motion of fishing for it and tying up your arms, looking for it. It was bam, it was there or it wasn't. You bail and you're still in a good position to continue whatever you were doing before. Well, exactly. Now, we'll use the top wrist lock again as an, as an example here. Um, just the thought of me going for the top wrist lock, I don't even give a shit if I get it now because that may not be my end, get, end game. I got you thinking about the top wrist lock, but now other parts of you are vulnerable. Your brain is focusing on countering the top wrist lock. My goal is, is not the top wrist lock. My goal is to destroy you, okay, to, to just punish you and, and cripple you and maim you hopefully for the rest of your life, that even if you go to the doctor, it's never going to be the same again, all right? So the top wrist lock may be my feint. That may be my way of getting you to think about something. Meanwhile, I'm going after your face. <laughs> I'm going to rip your, your lips apart. I'm going to pluck out your eyeball or some shit like that, and there's nothing you can do about it except lay there and cry like a baby when it's over with. Okay, that's reality, man. Or, you know... You think I'm going for the top wrist lock, but maybe I'm going to reach into my back pocket and, you know, I got a shiv and now I'm going to, I'm going to just stab you 90 times and shit and, and end you that way. Okay. But when you're in a sport mentality and you're taught to counter it this way or that way or this way or that way, your counter may work if, if the guy is still in sport mode, but your counter may prove vulnerabilities and open up your vulnerabilities. When I countered Joe last week and yesterday, I was not vulnerable from Joe at all. If there was three other people on his side standing around me, of course you're going to be vulnerable to getting ganged up on. But your focus has to be on ending somebody's life. Ending someone's life. Not tapping them out, not pinning them, not getting points. When you focus on killing somebody with your bare hands, because that's what self-defense may, may end up becoming for you. It changes everything for you. Okay, now you'll know, well, if I try to counter this way, I might he might kill me if he's got a knife or, or if he can reach his gun. When he's going for the top wrist lock, at least I know he's not going to get a weapon, right? Because his hands are tied up. That's a good thing. So if I want to counter, I got to make sure that if I'm going to counter, it's going to clear me out of this danger zone or end the fight, because if I break free, this may elevate it in that man's mind that I'm up against a guy who knows what the hell he's doing or is stronger than me or something, and now a guy who may not have wanted to go for a weapon if he had one is now going to reach for his weapon because his hand is free now, his arms are free, and he's got access to the weapon. You see what I'm saying? This is why I, oh, you guys are getting me fired up. But this is why I, I, I can't stomach when you're constantly in sport mode. It's okay if that's all you want to do is compete. But when you're talking about life or death, okay, and when I say killing, I don't necessarily mean you killing the guy, but that guy can kill you. You don't want to let him be able to kill you. So you've got to just end it, all right? And don't sometimes, so basically a counter may put you in more danger than you think. And People don't think that way. Also, Tony, to yeah, so I, 
you know, I'm, I'm become kind of a, a boxing nerd because of, of how much of this stuff I watch that I can't watch regular TV anymore. It has to be sports. I, I'm done. But <laughs> um, I, I noticed like um, some of the, uh, the fights, which are very much like contests where nothing's venture, nothing is gained. These guys know roughly the same amount and they just kind of throw a bunch of punches. But the guys that are trying to get a finish, that are actually trying to, to kill the fight, end it, um, they'll lay a trap. They'll walk the guy into a more powerful punch. Like they'll they'll open up space so the guy walks into it to do his, you know, the, the usual safe thing to do. But they'll be ready for it and they'll throw like a like a lead hook because the guy has stepped into a piece of space that's well within their range and they've waited for that trap to be set. And then that is when the real devastating punches land. Because, you know, when the guys are evenly matched and they're kind of like just going through the motions, there's sometimes not much that happens. It just goes 12 rounds and it's over and whatever. We, we have a decision. But, but the guys that are crafty, they'll set a trap. And I really wa- like watching that. But sometimes you just don't get it. Well, and it boxing is doing it with basically five or six punches, depending on their arsenal. Not 30 or 40 or 50 moves. That's right. Know, yeah, it's very limited. That's that's another bullshit thing about YouTube where, oh, look at this new submission. Look at this and that. That shit ain't going to work. You might pull it off in somebody's gym, you know, because they're cooperative or they're just, you know, fish. But you think boxers, every – go to a boxing thing. You're not going to see new punches, you know, and shit like that coming out. No. What you, what you learn is like what you're saying, setting up traps, getting the guy to drop his hands, <clears throat> getting the guy to maybe, like, lean forward and expose his chin so you can nail him with an uppercut. Right. Um, that's the beauty of it. And you're right. You don't see that all the time because a lot of fighters aren't necessarily in it for the knockout. You know, they're conditioned. So going 10 rounds or 12 rounds in a title fight, they're, they're prepared to do all of that, but they want to win. Okay. Their, their goal is to get that title. Right. So they don't, again, they don't necessarily have to get the knockout. If they, if they feel their jab is working and they're winning every round, well, they're going to keep up with that because everything comes at a risk. So to get to your point about setting a trap, that's fine. But I don't want if I'm trying to set the trap, I want to make sure I don't fall into the trap. Okay. Kind of like what we just said about escaping the submission hold, but yet that led me to getting knifed or shot. Um, I don't want to set a trap that, you know, if I'm, if I'm, a, if I'm fighting for uh, the, this match, I already know how much money I'm going to earn. I'm not going to get any more by knocking them out. Uh, but if, if I'm determined to be a knockout artist, that's my thing. That's what I want. I want to be a knockout guy like Tyson was and shit. Um, yeah, they're going to set traps. Absolutely. And that's what I've been saying about grappling uh, or ground fighting. Yeah, in that regard, set traps. Set the guy up. You don't need a million techniques. You're laying flat on your back like Joe was talking about in the beginning of the podcast. It's going to be hard for you to set a trap. But if you got angles and you can get, you know, shifts, you move your move your hips, you have a chance to, to, to set that trap. You know, kind of bringing it back, kind of comparing the sport to the self-defense aspect. I got to imagine that, like, boxers – you know, yeah, you have a 12 round match or whatever it is. They're going to approach that differently than if they were in the street though. Right. Too. So even like, you know, like 
you might have a long plan over the course of a few rounds of how to, you know, set this guy up and program him and feel him out. You know, you have all this, you have the luxury of time, even in a, a real, very realistic combat or, you know, full contact sport like boxing. Um, but when you, when you take that same skill set and you say, okay, your life is on the line. You're going to approach that very, I'd imagine as a boxer, you approach that very differently. You're not looking to take your time and set things up. Well, you may set them up, but it's not, yeah, you're not going to take your time. Remember that clip of, um, my throat's drying out because I'm yelling. Rocky Lockridge, he faked and then he launched into his attack. Fight was over, one punch. And there's a clip I saw. I thought it was of Mike Tyson beating up two guys in a, in a street fight, right? I, Martin would know. Um, I swear to that. I saw a clip years ago. Yeah, of that. yeah it, I think it was in a casino. They tried to rob him right. or, or, or put a squeeze on him. Yeah. He didn't play around. Oops. He didn't play around with these guys. He took them out right away. Okay. And that's because he's, you know, he has superior skill, but everything he did was perfect. Textbook perfect, but it was over quickly. This is how these fights have to be. You get long and drawn out, you you might have a problem. If it's multiple assailants, you got to figure things out. Do I want to engage? Do I want to take one guy out? Or do I want to assess the situation and try to attack three almost like simultaneously? Like one, two, love taps on him, two on him, two on him. I can't make that call for you because every scenario is different. But the point of the matter is, Boxers know one thing they know that grapplers don't know. And that is, I can lose my life today in the ring or 20 years from now because of this fight. Mm. See, I got brain issues because I've been hitting the head a lot, I've had a lot of issues through the years, and, and it's, you know, the health shit I'm going through because of it. Boxers know this. Wrestlers don't think about it because, you know, it's it's really not, they're not taking punches um, or whatever. Football players now are realizing it too. So a boxer knows in a street, he's probably not thinking about 20 years from now. <laughs> he's thinking, okay, this guy could kill me immediately. So these are kill sports, okay? These are these are sports. Boxing is a, a kill sport. Many men have died in the ring through the years, right? We know that. Um, and it's tragic when it happens. But how many more boxers have died because of their fights that they had years before? You know, dementia pugilistica, CTE, or or or, or what have you. So it's a different approach. It's 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 just you know I know I you see a lot of old time wrestlers that had to get their hips replaced shit or you know their necks don't turn right anymore um but they're alive they, they you know I'm not talking about pro wrestlers I'm just saying amateur wrestlers you know pro wrestlers we know what they've gone through um but when when you know that this is a risk a life or death endeavor that I'm doing here um kind of gives you a different mentality. At least it does for me. And it did for the old time boxers that I knew growing up. Cause they all talked about how they would approach everyone that I talked to. Cause I was a kid. 
they all volunteered information to me about how to box in a street fight. Okay. Now there's outside. We should cover this on one of the workshops. The outside fighting and the short inside fighting, um, and, and things are different there too. All right, how you can get in using your head, using your forearm, using your elbow, using short punches, as opposed to a little. So to, to me, there's like three ways of fighting, three ranges: the real short fighting, the like more like outside fighting, and then the the distance boxing. Okay, where you're way out and and, and on your bicycle all the time. Um, so sometimes you want to get re- you want to know how to fight when you're really in. We covered a little bit about it yesterday without me addressing it about leading with your head, you know how to headbutt in, you know the right way, and then that sets up, you know, those other punches that I showed. Um that's not even I wouldn't even call that what they call dirty boxing today. I wouldn't even call that dirty boxing, really. That's just a, a right way of coming in leading with your head. And then you follow up with with, with legitimate punches. Or you could you could throw an elbow that would probably be dirty, but I don't. I don't call leading with the head necessarily dirty. I, I call headbutting once you're in there dirty. But leading with the head is different than a headbutt. That's another thing that I'm trying to get across to you guys. Terminology means a lot. If I say lead with the head, like those guys were leading with their face, they li- literally were. They're walking in with their face exposed because they were so gassed. If you're that tired, lead with your head to tie up. It's not necessarily a headbutt. That's a great point, Tony. And, you know, I I remember a long time ago, I don't know if I'm giving away um, trade secrets, but I remember you mentioning to us at some occasion, I forget what it was, that you have a trick where, like, if you're in a bar and somebody's being aggressive, you'll close the distance by saying that they need to repeat themselves and you can't hear so well. And, I, and you showed how you do that in a way that's very safe. It's not leading with your face. It's leading with your head, and you close that distance for free. Yeah, and, and that actually, sometimes I have to do that because I, I don't hear <laughs> what the guy said. You know. But, yeah, it's, it's stuff like that. But I'm leading with my head. I'm not leaning in with my face. You know, I'm leading in with my head. What now? And I'm, and I'm, and I, and I'm like, you know, and think about it. When you do this, like, huh? You know, you put your hand behind your ear. What? Can't hear you, right? The the brilliance behind that is like staggering because I'm actually what I'm doing is I'm already I'm already covered up, you know. So you're not going to cold cock me there, right? I'm like, what? I'm covered up, and then I can launch into my my shit, and the guy doesn't even have a clue. Uh, but I'm committed to launching in. You know, the, the, we're beyond the discussion phase. So if you hear me ever if you ever see me say what, you know that I'm attacking. You know, but. But it'll it'll pass in the court of law. Oh, I'm sorry. What'd you say? You know, and then oh, I thought he said he was going to kill me. Boom. I could, I can't hear so good. So yeah, one of those deals. Yeah, there's so many things. Now that's not even dirty boxing or anything. That's just that's just a street smart trick. Um. Yeah. And you know, it just it gets me. You know, I, we've talked about this before. For people who just want to do sports, <laughs> sport fighting or sport grappling, go ahead. There's a million qualified instructors out there. But when it comes to life or death, man, you know, there, there, there's not a million instructors out there. there. There really isn't. If you notice some of the stuff that Chuck May was doing yesterday with the gun, there was no disarming, so to speak, like all this fancy, beautiful shit you see on YouTube. No. 
because he mentioned about him being have when he was undercover having a guy get get in his car and put a gun to his head. You're in the front seat of a vehicle here, okay? There's not going to be any fancy, you know, throws and wrist lock disarms. It shit's not going to happen. He did what needed to be done to get that gun away from the guy, and 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 Chuck's alive, and hopefully that guy's still in prison, right? Um, so I said this back in the '90s. If I see somebody demonstrating a move and it's beautiful, I know that guy's never done that move in a, in a real real world situation because most real fighting is as ugly as sin, man. Okay, uh, it, it all there's a beauty to it in that regard, but it's it's never in reality it's never flawless unless you just get a one punch knockout in, and and that's why you have to have that quick mind. Because your punch or whatever it is, your technique may be just slightly off, or it's in a scenario that you have never trained before, like the thing with the front seat of the car thing. Um, so you have to be able to chain your moves, man. And your brain has to be functioning properly to do that. And you have to go into survival mode now. You have to think about kill mode. Either I'm going to kill him or he's going to kill me. You don't do that when you're training in sport. You never have that true killing mentality okay you don't because you don't want to hurt your training partner and you know your training partner or your 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 competitor is not going to try to he's not trying to kill you so the switch is off and it's never going to come on you know so when you train for this stuff uh like reality real true reality you gotta you you've you've got to be in that kill mentality somebody here is going to get killed i've said this for years uh, every street fight is a potential death match. Yeah, and we were reminded of it with that that thing in New York. I mean, I don't think that guy anticipated to kill the guy on the train, and or maybe he did. I don't. We, we, who knows? Uh, but um, yeah, you've got to you got to realize what you're getting into, and if you if you don't want to. You know, especially some of the techniques that we're using, especially when you tack the head or neck. Um, but even not, I mean, the person just could be out of shape. You, you, you know, you, you get him in a hole down or whatever, he could have a heart attack. Uh, well, you, you can know. induce a heart attack. I'm not going to say how to do it here on on uh, this podcast. But again, if people would train with me, they, that's another way to kill a person in a fight. Okay, there's just so much that people have not known, don't know, won't know. Okay. Um, and I, I'm sorry, you know, I'm 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 approaching the end of my life. You know, I mean, I'm I'm damn near sixty, so I'm not going to be here another forty years, right? Uh, p- people have had a lot of time, a lot of years to come and, and learn this and train this. Um, I, I, you know, you've said it before, Joe. People keep putting it off, putting it off, or you know, sorry, man. Probably going to be too late now. But the thing with New York, I'm not going to get into that other than you don't hold a choke for 15 minutes. If that's indeed what happened, I don't know. That's what they're saying. But even if that didn't happen, you don't hold a choke for 15 minutes anymore because, yeah, you're you're a murderer at that point. Your life's no longer uh, threatened. Um, you know, the guy should be unconscious. If he's not unconscious, then, you know, your chokes aren't there, aren't very effective. Uh, and, yeah. And sometimes, again, if that's all you know to do, is that choke? 
<clears throat> then you really shouldn't be even engaging in a street fight because you you have to have other um or not engaging meaning entering in it voluntarily because um you have to have more tricks up your sleeve than just that i don't think it's wise to be a one trick pony i, do, I don't but you know every, every, i guess everybody has their own take on it and their own their own thing on it uh you guys know better than anybody because you guys have been with me a long time um you know my you know my mindset so and you know that i got a switch you've seen it and when i turn that switch on man you you're you're better off just going far away from me you know just just go away cuz it isn't going to it's not going to be nice martin's seen it martin's seen it in the wild he's seen me snap in the streets yeah a couple of uh uh, pool games ended up a lot different than they started. <laughs> right. But, but you know, um, I, I think just the one word about this New York thing, because Tony and I talk about it all the time, it's become like a charged issue. And it really should be just a legal and medical question because, uh, you know, I have my opinions on it. And uh, the the reality is that it really depends on what happened during that time and what was the medical condition of everybody involved because that plays into it. But I I pointed this out to Tony before, there's an even more extreme case of this that happened on the CTA. A lady was being accosted by some some man and uh, she told him to get lost and eventually uh, she pulled out a gun. And as he ran out out of the, uh, the CTA train, she shot at him twice and now she's fighting an attempted murder charge. Now, in, in my, in a lot of people's opinions, and maybe mine even, like maybe she should be allowed to shoot at him because what business does that guy have accosting women on the CTA? But that's not the legal <laughs> view. And that's kind of how the New York case is going to go. It's going to be decided in the court. Well, it will. I mean, you know, he was, retre- I don't know the story. You've told me it um, about the CTA. Like he was retreating. Um you put other people at risk, that bullet's going to go somewhere, okay? It, it is. You just have to hope that it doesn't land in somebody else's body, right? Um, so you're responsible for that bullet. And I think that is a problem, all right? Forget about even the attacker. You're responsible for that bullet. Where's it going to go? So I know I knew somebody when I was young. He was the first kid or the second kid. He was the first kid, for sure, that got, well, right, there was two kids in my grade school that got they were the first two to, to get killed, Kreshmir and John. Now, Kreshmir got killed in the Army. His The Jeep that he was in, this was here in America, wasn't war. The Jeep tipped over and he got killed. But uh, John got shot in a bar in Cleveland. He wasn't even in the bar fight. He wasn't even part of it. He, he got hit with a ricochet bullet in the head, and that killed him, okay? So um, I wasn't there, but, you know, it, it, that's what happened. So anytime you pull that trigger, you're you're responsible for that for that bullet. Now I'm not making a judgment on the little old lady. Uh, she did what she felt she had to do. Uh, but that's the thing when you enter into these street scenarios, you have to be prepared to be incarcerated, which in a way is losing your life. In a sense, you're losing your freedom. Um, and I don't know how many people are prepared for that. Because if she doesn't have any money, 
she's going to get a public defender. And I'm not here to bash public defenders, but I mean, you know, are, is the public defender going to really do all they need to do to, to defend her? I don't know. I can't make that call. I'm not a lawyer. All right. But these are just things that you have to think about. When I was say, taking care of my mother, there would have been no way I would have risked anything because I have to take care of my mother. She's in a nursing home now. I don't have to take care of my mother. Okay. She's taken care of. So um, if I'm starting to rebuild my life, do I want to have my life taken away from me as far as incarceration over a stupid thing? Uh, probably not. You know, I'll probably say, no, forget about it. But, you know, if somebody tries to uh, assault me with a, with a weapon, uh, that's elevated right there. I mean, I can defend myself to the death. I mean, you know, he's threatening to kill me. I'm going to kill him. Well, this has been a well, pretty heavy conversation, but I think it was, was needed. Yeah, I was just going to say that this is now getting to a very uh, legal kind of uh, uh, waters where we're probably not experts. And it certainly shouldn't be used as legal advice. If you listen to my legal advice, you'll probably end up in jail. Yeah, well, mine too. I'm not a lawyer. So everybody has to cross that bridge. I don't want to go to prison. I don't, I don't want, why would I want to do that, right? You know, um, so avoidance, if you can do it, is always prudent. Um, that's my best advice. But everything that I teach you is in case you can't avoid it, okay? Avoidance is no longer an option. Therefore, now I want you to be as prepared as humanly possible to um, defend yourself or your loved ones. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm trying to get. That's the only point I'm trying to get across, you know. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'll stand behind that. I mean, 100% I'll stand behind that. And and whatever. But, yeah, this was an interesting podcast for sure. It's just, you know, the difference between sport and reality is 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 there's there's a chasm it's big it's bigger than people think okay it really is it 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 truly truly is in my opinion because you know we we've seen it you know until in mma for example until people are getting shot in mma matches or stabbed to death or three on one or a drive-by shooting uh or or blown up like they did to the in Cleveland to blow people up until that starts to happen in, in the cage. It's not real. <clears throat> the athletes are phenomenal. They're in top shape. The techniques that they use for that sport are awesome. It's not reality. Well, shall we leave it there? I guess. I mean, you know, it's just the bet. I mean, you know, that's all I can tell you. I, you know, baseball players have a baseball bat. The way they use that ball, the way they play baseball is not deadly. But they have that baseball bat in their arms. I once said somebody to somebody, who would I rather face empty-handed, a Filipino stick fighter, fighting champion, uh, or at the time, Albert Pujols was a great home run hitter. So I'll, I'll, fa I'll, I'll face the Filipino, you know, seven days a week. I don't ever want to face Albert Pujols with a baseball bat in his hand, okay, when he's pissed. Because that, you know... You're looking at a different thing here. You know, you're looking at bat speed that's 
unbelievable. And you're looking at them moving a 33 or 34 ounce bat. Okay. Um, that that's coming at you on the three pounds coming at you, right. Or at least two pounds <clears throat> coming at you. Um, man, I don't, I face the ball bat. I, I got jumped by three kids with baseball bats. Thank God they were kids. If these guys were, you know, you know, even a, a high school level baseball players, I'd probably be dead. You know, I, 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 I don't know, man. It's just my, my take on it. So, um, yeah, sports is sports, and they're phenomenal. And anybody that wants to train with sports, go for it. You know, I, I can even recommend schools that you could train at. But you want reality? You want real catch wrestling the way I learned it to end people's lives? And you got to come to me for that. If you don't want to learn that, then then don't come to me, you know. But anyway, I guess we should wrap it up. And I want to thank everybody for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Joe, you got anything to say, Martin? No, it just happened Memorial Day, everybody. All right. We'll see you next week, I guess. Recording in progress. Thank <laughs> you.